What? What are you, what are you talking about? That was clearly a finished scene. I don't think they had they packed too much in. I don't think it's exactly the fucking same as Aquaman. Hi, readers. So, in addition to the grand rewatch, we actually do watch other films, uh, not as regularly, admittedly, but we still do. Uh, rest assured that following each new film that we watch in a cinema, we'll continue our assault on your ear holes with our thoughts and opinions. I mean, it's not like you asked. We just like doing this anyway. This week, we went to see the brand new 2019 film, Hellboy, which... Yeah. That was a experience. Yeah, so it's 2019 Hellboy. It's a reboot of the Hellboy franchise. There was previously two uh, movies that came out in the cinemas. It was a proper, you know, full-on release, um, starring Ron Perlman and directed by uh, Guillermo del Toro. They were quite a while ago now, though. So the first one was in 2004, the second one was in 2008... Yeah. They the same makers actually also made a couple of animated features with the mm-hmm. full voice cast, and also sort of set in the same kind of continuity. So we've had previous versions of Hellboy. So usually, what we would do as part of the grand rewatch is we would have gone back and watched them all yeah. and recorded episodes about them. Unfortunately, due to the scheduling and the fact that there's a lot of stuff out at the yeah. moment, we weren't able to do that. Just didn't have time. But I think we both watched the Del Toro movies. Yeah. So we've got some sort of thing to compare it to, and <laughs> this one's very different. It is. I mean, <laughs> firstly, out of the gate, I do want to say that this film has received a kicking yeah. critically. Yes, absolutely. But um, I don't think it's entirely deserved. I don't think it's as bad as it's being made out to be. I feel the same way, but then I'm not sure if that's a case of just because of the... So I've, we've seen that it's had this critical kicking, mm. and but I still, I purposely didn't read any reviews or watch any reviews yeah. because I wanted to go and see it for myself. All I know was that like the headlines going that it's getting absolutely panned everywhere. Yeah. Everyone's saying how terrible it is. I've seen like hyperbole, like, you know, the contender for worst film of the year. Yeah. Which it absolutely like isn't. Well, it's early yet. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, I went I went in with that in mind. Right. I almost like I almost said to you, but should we not do it? Should we just watch the Avengers? You did instead? say Because I, I was like, oh god, it's going to be on Sunday. We we'll have to pay full price. And so I'm like, really gonna. And then I watching it, I was like, it's not that bad. No. I mean, it's it's bad. Don't be wrong, it's bad. It's yeah, it's, but it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It didn't hurt my brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not it's not by any stretch of the imagine, imagination a particularly good film. No. But at the same time, if you just want to watch something for two hours, it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Like I'm comparing that to some something like like a Fast and Furious film. Yeah. Because it's incomprehensible nonsense. Oh yeah, it's gibberish. But the lead, like the yeah. Rock and Vin Diesel and stuff in the Fast and Furious, are just as well. The Rock is just as charismatic as. David Harbour is as yeah. Hellboy in this. David Harbour, the, he's the best thing about this by a country mile. Like, the, that's... Yeah. David Harbour and Ian McShane, Yeah, whenever they're in a scene together, they're fucking brilliant. They are great. The only thing I'll say about Ian McShane is that I feel like he's too... I, for me, he's too far away from the Professor Broom that we had before because I really yeah. loved it. John Hurt as Professor Broom was fucking brilliant. Yeah. And he just had that gravitas and that sort of... and. It was a di- the relationship between him and and Ron Perlman's Hellboy. I preferred. I don't know. It's like when when it he was, was more in, believable as yeah, well. When he was in the room with John Hurt, he suddenly dropped everything. He was like very respectful and like, sir, sorry, sir. Yeah. Whereas they don't do that in this one. This one is more antagonistic, and that's just personal preference for me. But yeah, like there's one particular scene that I think you're thinking of as well, where they they sort of have it out with each other. Is the then what? 
scene. Yeah. That scene. That's a great scene. That's a great scene. I just wish they'd flesh that out and that had been mm-hmm. the whole narrative for the whole, you know, the whole yeah. arc, story arc yeah. for the movie. But instead, they just, it's very disjointed. Yeah. So, the s- story wise, I'm going to attempt to, so I'm going to attempt to give you a bit of a synopsis and then we're going to explain how my synopsis is so vague afterwards. So, essentially, it's about a blood queen who is coming back from being spliced into numerous pieces mm-hmm. and being sacrificed by King Arthur so she can't take over England. Yeah, so they cut her up, they, they cut off her limbs, her head, and then I think what they did is they got Mila Jovovich's voice box and sent that to an ADR studio somewhere. And then that was something they never able to put back in the movie. But Don't know yeah, what happened there? But um, yeah, so it's it's basically she through other forces is attempting to get all of her body parts together so she can be the Blood Queen again and unleash this plague on England. And Hellboy's there to stop her. That sounds like a coherent film. Yeah, but you what? forgot about the giants and King Arthur, Mexico, and Mexico, and the vampires, and the secret society in England. Um, and the other and, secret society. And the other secret society. Underwater. And Daniel Day Kim. And Daniel Day Kim and M11. Um, and the little girl who he saved. Lobster who now, Johnson. Lobster Johnson. Nazis. Nazis. Um, the, and, um, uh, the medium girl. Yeah, um, Rasputin. Rasputin. Yeah. Um, Nazi 3D glasses. Yeah. Um, Baba Yaga. <laughs> Baba Yaga in that <laughs> house that's got chicken legs. There's a whole other diversion. And what... Um, <laughs> What we're trying to get at, I guess, is that it goes on lots of different diversions to get to the point. Yeah. It goes Big Mo on... from EastEnders is in it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, so, yeah, it feels kind of like episodic. And then this happens, and then it's a little bit, and then it moves on to the next little bit. Yeah. And it doesn't. it's all completely disjointed. Like, the Baba Yaga is a key example of it. Just randomly, halfway through the film, there's this whole bit with Baba Yaga. Yeah. Which is like, Baba Yaga is like this big folklore, you know, Eastern European yeah. thing. Which could be its own movie easily, and for, and they just chuck it in there and have this whole little thing. Then there's a whole thing where there's a society in England who go out and hunt giants, yeah. And giants are a problem in England again. You could have a whole movie of a Hellboy movie about how these it, things yeah. are all individual volumes in the Hellboy books, yeah. So and I don't claim to have read that many. I think I've God, it would have been quite a long time ago as well. So I read Seeds of Destruction, which is like the first one. Mm. Which is the one with Rasputin in, and it explains like where he came from. And I've read a couple more since I think I read Hellboy in Mexico, mm. which is the Vampire Lucha Libre stuff. Um, and I started reading The Great Hunt, which is what the the giant thing is based on, but didn't really get that far. Yeah. But I think my issue with this film is it's just a cataclysm of nonsense. Yeah, and and again, I I keep the first thing I'm comparing it to is Aquaman. Yeah, because Aquaman's in a very similar way had lots of elements from lots of different individual storylines. Yeah, from the comic books and just threw them all together into one movie, mm-hmm. and it felt very disjointed. So in Aquaman, it was like they had to they had a war on the surface world where you had to introduce all the different kingdoms. You had a quest for a trident. You had the trench. You had like the Black Manta origin story, and rather than have any one of them take up any screen time, they all just like shove them all in mm-hmm. at the same time and that's exactly what they've done here as well yeah no I'd, I'd completely agree and that the, because there are sections in there and you're like this would be a great film this would be a great film this would be a great film but it's just a clip and an action point it's and like, then a clip and then an action point yeah 
it's like a great like this movie is almost like a great proof of concept yeah it's like this is what is what it would be like if we made a series of Hellboy movies or a TV show even yeah with David Harbour playing Hellboy and we were like this would be great yeah make that happen and and that's the thing <laughs> he is great in this yeah he's awesome he's and- really good he brings like like this sort of extra sort of dimensionality that so Ron Perlman was really good yeah and he sort of set the standard as being Hellboy. But David Harbour brings something new to the table. He yeah. brings like this sort of, he's really torn about where he belongs. And like you yeah. say, and then what scene? Yeah, that scene's great. But then that is not something that hasn't been explored in the previous movies. No. But it is something that requires further digging. And yeah. like, I think the thing with the previous movies is that there are a lot of it. Um, was around his relationship with Liz. Yeah. And that was how he anchored himself, whereas this Hellboy doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. So it's all just... It, yeah, he's very much more disconnected. He's like an angry young man type thing in, yeah. this, in this one, which is interesting and different. Um, and again, yeah, if if you're telling... It's the same story that's been told before, but if you tell the story of how, you know, why do you fight for them? Why do you hate... Why do you fight for those who hate and fear you? And he's like... Oh, We've heard that so we hear it in like the X Men movies and everything as well. It's like we hear in everything. But if you just, and also I swear to God that like there was a line in this that was directly from the original Hellboy where we can create a new Eden. <laughs> like, I swear, Probably. I swear in the fir- in the first Del Toro Hellboy they talk about how they're gonna create they're gonna wipe out the world and from the ashes we will create a new Eden. And it's like, oh for fuck's anything else, anything <laughs> else, just anything. I don't care. Although when they trashed London, that was good fun. That was, yeah, that, that's another thing. Yeah, so in this, there are like, there are flashes of like really explicit violence. Yeah, the violence is fucking nuts. Like, in, <laughs> I can't, without saying sort of too many spoilers, I don't think we should get into spoilers here, but it's because there aren't that really many to get into. But there are scenes when like, there's a massacre in like a monastery and there are just limbs just slapping against the wall whilst you're seeing it like yeah. off screen. And then, like you say, when all the monsters that you see in the trailer all turn up in London, that's fucking savage. Yeah, yeah and big time. I, there were moments where I'm like, Jesus fucking... And like, that's what I think. Like, there is definitely, like, getting into the Hellboy, like I had done the last sort of week and watching all the other movies and stuff, it's like there is definitely room for there to be an R-rated Hellboy. Yeah. And But when I'm thinking of an R-rated Hellboy, this wasn't really what I had in mind. What I had in mind was, like, because the point of it is about they investigate the occult mm-hmm. and the dark, and that kind of darkness. That's yeah. sort of, like, real, like, horror, old-school horror. Like, so, the vampires, all that kind of stuff that yeah. you get into. Human sacrifices, like, dark shit, like... The Baba Yaga, yeah, was dark as dark, yeah. Um, but that's the thing; like the comic books are made in like this very sort of noir style. Yeah. So it is; it does have Hellboy's monologue over the top, and he sort of in it where it's like a sort of linear thought process. So, so you hear his internal monologue as it goes, and he's he is really dry, and he is really sort of he can be a bit witty in places, like rather than saying of that monster, he'll call him Froggy. But it's never, like, well, I mean, it can be pretty explicit in places, but at the same time, it is it is principally a horror comic. So it's yeah. like, it was based off of, like, Lovecraft and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So Mike Mignola was like, his people to thank, he's like, oh, I want to thank this person, I want to thank this person. I want to thank Lovecraft, 
and a lot of the stories are based around these like yeah, great what, old ones. Yeah, that, that, in, the, in the original Del Toro movie as well, that's what it is. It's yeah. like he's going to summon the old well, ones. That's literally in the book. Yeah. And it's like a lot of it has changed, like with the Samael that is in it for plot, I guess. But it's this really, it's just set in like a spooky house. Yeah. And it's about him investigating it as a BPRD official sort of yeah. thing. But then you get this, which is just like guns, blood splattering and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, well, I think you missed the point a little bit. Yeah, this isn't quite what we had in mind. Yeah. But I would like, it would be great if we could see, like, actually, weirdly, talking about um, talking about Aquaman, it would have been really interesting to see someone like James Wan do Hellboy. Someone yeah. who's got a horror background. Mm-hmm. If there was any, if there was ever a comic book character that lend itself to a horror aesthetic and a horror director, it's yeah. Hellboy, not Aquaman. <laughs> so how this has happened, I don't know. No, but anyway, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or like Scott, Scott Derrickson, even because he, he, I know he did Doctor Strange, but he did some horror. Movies. I don't know. What I don't know. I can't what he did. I mean, Neil Marshall did. Neil Marshall, yeah, I'd... has done horror films. Oh yeah, no, Neil, Neil Marshall is a horror director. Yeah, but I feel like he's more. Yeah, he's very much more a. Um, splatter and gore type horror yeah. as opposed to like a spooky horror which I think but, it, could, it could do with a bit more spooky horror I reckon I think so um, well to be fair he did a couple of episodes of Constantine did a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones yeah no, no, Neil Marshall I will say that I don't think like any failures of the movie are down to him because like the episodes of Game of Thrones that he's directed I know like it was the episode in season 2 where it was the attack on King's Landing yeah and I think he did the episode where it was the fight the battle on the wall Okay, yep. Which are both standout, excellent episodes, and they have a good combination of action and character stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's perfectly capable as a director to do that. He completely got it within him. So yeah. I don't think it was his fault. But what I will say is that that's on the basis of having someone giving him a script that works. Well, that's I the thing, because this yeah, script, script and the work. screenplay just don't work. No, and I looked at I thought to myself, I wonder who wrote it. And I've looked it out. It's a guy called Andrew Cosby. Mm hmm. This is the first movie script he's ever written. Jesus. So that kind of tells you a lot, doesn't it? He's yeah. <laughs> he, in terms of writing, he's he did eighty three episodes of a town called Eureka. Okay. And something called Haunted. He wrote four episodes of as the creator, and then first ever screen, first ever movie screenplay he's ever written was this Hellboy twenty nineteen. Mm. It's like maybe. Not the best. Like when you when you're adapting something that's got a big fan base and it's got lots of like lore and lots yeah. of and it has to do several different things and also sort of be a please a popcorn movie. Yeah. Maybe don't hire a guy who's never written a script before. No, J- I'm just it's, saying. Well, like, yeah, it's, I'm just it's saying. weird because like Hellboy's been around since like 1994, so it's not like it's short of a fan base. No, and we've had two films. I th- I think my sort of tin foil hat sort of scenario for this whole situation. I think that they were about to lose the license. So they had to make one. So they had to had to rush. Had to make one out because if you think what, so when was Golden Army two thousand eight? Yeah, and then this got put into production in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, so I think it's very similar actually to what happened with Fantastic Four. Yeah, because there was a Fantastic Four again. There were two movies previously. Then they did a reboot, Mm -hmm. and again that was down to the fact that they had to put something out, otherwise they were going to lose the license. Yeah, and as it turns out, the Roger Corman produced. Yeah, Abomination. Exactly. So as it turns out. Well, yeah, it's, it's, funnily enough, though, um, Fantastic Four is bookended by those things. It started off with an abomination by Roger Corman, and then it yeah. ended with an abomination by Josh Trank. Um, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully it's all right, because Marvel have got it back now. Unfortunately, Hellboy doesn't belong to DC or Marvel. He's no. just a Dark Horse comic, so he's his own thing. So there's no, not going to be some 
saviour to come in and, and yeah. sort it out. I would say, I, I think this is good. Like, from what I've read so far, apparently this is bombing, like, hard. Yeah. Um, because for well, for a start, they've restricted the audience because it's an R-rated movie, so it's not like they're going to—they're they're already. Yeah, and they didn't lift the embargo until the day of release. And then when they did, everyone kicked off and said how shit it was. Yeah. So they completely shot themselves in the foot, and it might just die a death. Mm. But I don't know whether it quite deserves it or not. Basically, what I'm getting at is I want to see a sequel with David Harbour's Hellboy. Yeah. Like that—that that sequence we had right at the very end. Mm-hmm. Give me that. Yeah. Like, I won't spoil what it is, but. Give me that team and that because that's what I liked about the old um, Hellboy movies. Rewatching them is that is very much the whole idea of there being a team, yeah, the BPRD team who go in and get shit done. And it was like, yeah, like they had a buddy cop thing going on between Hellboy and Abe, yeah, which was and, great. And that's that's again in the in the books there are it is like a bit of a shift. So it's yeah. like sometimes Abe there, sometimes it's Roger the Thickumunculus, um, sometimes Liz is there, sometimes she's not, yeah, sometimes. Damio is there. Yeah. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes Lobster Johnson's there. Sometimes he's not. And that's that's the thing. It's like it's putting in these different people in different places to get different effects yeah. for the different times. Whilst he can sort of stand on his own, it's difficult to do that with somebody like Hellboy in a film. Yeah. Because he's obviously very different, and he is got he's sort of grown up in humanity, but has changed in other ways. But that one of the most appealing things about him is that is his sense of humor and his and his character. You know. Yeah. Like, and so. If you send him out on his own, he can't. Exactly. Who's he, he going to manner with? No exactly. one. So he needs a team around him, and to have them completely contrast him, like the way that Abe did in the, in the originals, mm-hmm. would be great. And they they sort of get a little bit of that from him and Daniel Day Kim. What's the character? Damio. Damio. In this, and they get a little bit of that. That sort of like yeah. There's a guy who's very much by the book, and like, and then he's like, I'm a, I'm a maverick. I'll do what I want. Yeah. I'll see more. I'll watch more of that. Yeah. Just. Get a decent script. Yeah, and like put Lobster Johnson in there. Have him leading the team. Have Agent Johnson there. Uh, have Damio there. Have medium psychic girl. I've forgotten her name. Have her there. And have Abe there. And yeah. then they've got these just wildly different personalities in there at the same time. Yeah. And you could have a dynamic where Lobster is leading the group. And they're like, no, hell, well, you're in charge. He's like, no, no. Lobsters in charge. This guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's got this hero worship of him. And everyone else is like, you know, he's just he's a douchebag, right? And he's like, no, he's not. How dare you say that? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it would be great. It's, there's so much potential because it would introduce yeah. the new fatherly dynamic that they have of just killing off. Yeah, uh, killing Boy. off the professor like straight away, yeah. which again happens in the book. Yeah, it literally happens in the first third of the book. Yeah, but um, yeah. One thing I do want to say is, like, again, going back to David Harbour, he puts in a great performance with, like, nuances as well. Yeah, under a shitload of makeup. Under a shitload of makeup. Yeah. And he delivers jokes as well. Yeah. Some of them don't always hit home, but most of them are quite funny. Yeah. Because he's, as the character, is very dry. Yeah. And I think it is is fun, but at the same time, don't... Like, cinema needs this sort of stuff, you know, you need a film that's just going to be all right. Yeah, true. Like, and the, the other thing he reminds me of, and and it's funny because talking about a sequel is um, Tomb Raider from last year. Yeah, it's like it's just a fine sort of yeah whatever, but a, quite a good central performance mm-hmm. and a good interpretation of the character. And yeah, it was all right. I hope they make a sequel. And then literally today, I think it was yeah. yesterday, I saw the article came out that there are they are working on a sequel to good. that. There's someone's writing a script, and Alicia Vikander's really excited about that yeah. particular writer, and they're going to make another one. Because just because it, it didn't, quite, it didn't it wasn't a massive hit, 
but it made just enough money to justify yeah. it. Um, so I'm like, great, perfect, because I think the next one could be great. You've set the stage for something that the next version of it could be brilliant. Mm-hmm. And same thing with this, with Hellboy. I'm like, as a reboot, very rough, very sort of rough around the edges, not sure, but you've set something up that I want to see more of. Yeah. And I just hope that it's, well, it's going to it's gonna tank by the looks of it. So yeah. I, it might just be a case of it never gets mentioned again. I mean, David Harbour's going to turn up in Marvel movies next year as well. He's going to be in um, Black Black Widow. Yeah. So then that might be just sort of, do you remember that time you, you were going to be the head of the whole franchise? Like, oh yeah, that was silly. I used to put on a shitload <laughs> of, like, I, I used to put so much prosthetics on and it was for nothing in the end. Yeah. Which but, would be sad, but... The film only cost only cost fifty million dollars. Okay, but it opened in the US with twelve. Yeah. So next to Shazam, which got twenty five on its second weekend. Yeah. So hopefully it can get. I hope. I think if it gets enough money to cover that plus marketing. Yeah. So it'll probably be between. Well, considering the fucking marketing we've seen for it, it's probably about $100 million yeah, I mean, the between marketing, the production really, and marketing. Again, the marketing is another sort of indication of, like, it's a red flag for us, isn't it? When you see a shitload of marketing pushing something, like, hearing, like, the thing for me is always when I hear radio ads. Mm-hmm. If I hear a radio ad for something, then I know that's that's probably not. And the last time I remember hearing radio ads, like, a lot for things, it was um, Justice League, I think. Really? <laughs> Two radio ads. Jesus. Because it's because they do a big marketing push on the opening weekend because they know they have to get all the numbers in on the opening weekend. Yeah. Because the minute people see this and trash it, that's it. It's over. Yeah. So similar things happen with this with Hellboy. So it might next week when the numbers come in, it might just die a death. Yeah. And then the week after that, the Avengers is coming out and then that's it. So it's like they kind of fucked it. I'm not going to like Yeah. Like it is a weird release, but also it's like Millennium Media as well. I think that was the same company you added before, though. I think that yeah, was yeah. the same. Yeah. But, like, I haven't, can't remember anything else they've put out. No. But saying that, like, saying about, like, this film in relation to the other ones as well, I, like, watching them this weekend, hmm. don't blow my hair back at all. Like, the plot in the first one is nothing. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to do? Kill that monster? Okay, yeah. you killed it. And yeah, but now it's two of them. What are you going to do now? Something about bringing my team together as a family and... This girl loves me now. Yeah, no, the fir- but what's the plot? Oh, just stab that thing. Got you. And then the second one is like loads of plot. And it's like there's this fantasy and this fairy tale and then the elves and then this planet. And then there's existential questions about, oh, that's the last thing in existence of this one thing and you're going to kill it to side with the humans. Yeah. And it's like, I think the second one is probably the gold standard for Hellboy films. Yeah. The, the issue that I have with the first Hellboy film is it's just so forgettable. Yeah. Like there are no standout points in there. There are no amazing flourishes of visual effects. No, I think the second one, yeah, I, I, because I've watched them again as well. The thing that struck me about the second one is how good it looks. Yeah, and just how it's Del Toro just going and like some of the sets and the design of it all and how it looks and the, like the the sequence at the end where they're fighting and the big mechanical like cogs turning and all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's got visual like flair to it. Yeah, which I think a lot of people have accused this new one of not having. It looks very basic. It's, there's nothing particularly special about it and that's coming off the back of particularly two i think he did a little bit in one but then two is where he was really able to go full del toro and go well that's cool but what if the thing didn't have eyes in its head but had lots of eyes in its wings it's like yeah yeah 
okay, okay, Guillermo, <laughs> let's do that. Like, but he, do, yeah, he does have like this incredible sort of visual language that he puts into everything. And then there's the Abe Sapien origin story, which won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. But um, also, like looking at the box office figures for the last two, the first Hellboy film had a bigger budget than this. Really? Yeah, it's sixty-six million dollars, and it only made ninety-nine. And they still made a sequel. Then they made a sequel which cost $86 million and made 165 Because I, re- I think originally their plan was when they would do it, there was, I think, like you say, it's probably to do with the licensing and they needed to make a movie. But they originally went back to Del Toro. Yeah. They wanted him to make three. Yeah. Like an actual Hellboy 3 with Ron Perlman and have mm-hmm. it be a continuation. And he just didn't want to do it. Yeah, he said, I'm, I've moved on. I've moved on now. It's too far away. And also, I think, and like... I Ron- made Shape of Water. Yeah. Yeah, I made the Apesapian origin story. Yeah. Where, yeah, he falls in love with a woman who can't speak. Yeah. You watched it. But, yeah, he chose not to do it, which is fine. Yeah, I don't know. I think, but then I feel like, yeah. I think a lot of what happened here seems to be... I think there were a lot of ideas. It all feels very rushed, and I keep going back to that. I think it was running out of license, because I think yeah. some they obviously went out and said, we want you to write a screenplay for Hellboy, and somebody did some reading, read 10 volumes of Hellboy... I went, that's a good bit, that's a good bit, that's a good bit, that's a good bit, that's a good bit. Right, let's put it all in and then see how we go from there. And sort of there would be like a review cycle and they'd be like, right, let's move this bit out, maybe save it for another film. Let's move this out and do this. Let's do this. Let's make it a little bit less all over the place and focus on what we want to get out yeah, of this. They, I and think then they skip that bit. And they skipped that bit and they went, cool, let's do it. And that was it, because then, it feels feels really rushed. Yeah, true. And then they gave it to a director who is, yeah, I feel like Neil Marshall is good at what he does, but he's very much a, if he gets given a script, he'll just point and shoot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, he won't, he'll get good performances from everyone, he'll make everything look good, mm-hmm. but he's not going to go, I've got a different idea about where to take the story and sort of, and contribute in that sort of way. He's not yeah. a writer, he's a director. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah also, I don't know. did you read any of the stuff about like the behind the scenes of this? No. Was it bad? Apparently so. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Apparently it was a fucking nightmare. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, and as much as I love David Harbour, apparently he was just like, I don't know what the fuck's happening with this. Like, he wasn't in a, in a great state of mind whilst he was doing it. Really? Like, um, apparently he just didn't get on with the director and, like, the producers didn't get on. The producers and the directors were, uh, the director were, like, just constantly at loggerheads. Okay. And they were like, no, this needs to be in the film. And then and he's like, no, this should be like this. And they're like, no, it's gonna be like this. So, and this is all conjecture from what I've sort of briefly read. Okay. But apparently, it was a bit of a nightmare behind the scenes. Okay. Like Harbour and McShane were just like, okay, let's just do this. And like, um, I listened to a podcast with David Harbour on it the other day, and I genuinely, he's one of my favourite actors. I think he's absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's great. And when you listen to him, like behind the scenes, he's such a fascinating person as well. Mm. Like really insightful, really open about so many things. But that whole podcast, they were just talking about other things. And they get to the like, and it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. And they get to the end, and they're like, "Oh, we haven't spoken about Hellboy yet." And he's like, "Yeah, it's a lot of fun." And I tried to do this with it, and I tried to do this with it, and it was really interesting. I wanted to draw this into it as well, and you can see all that stuff that he's saying about. But he didn't really feel. Like he was really enamoured by yeah, it. Yeah, well, it felt like he was like, yeah, it's the press tour, so these are my rehearsed lines that I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Sort of thing, yeah. Okay. Whereas, yeah. like, when you listen to, like, interviews with Ron Perlman, yeah. he just he just goes back to it, like, really fondly. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was great. Like, working with Guillermo and doing this as well, it's just, 
and it was it was a great time and like i really missed everybody that was there and yeah. we had a, such a great great time whilst doing it and it feels like the atmosphere on set for this was just really labored and really tough yeah yeah, that's a shame. I mean, like as long as as long as it wasn't as bad as you know the stories that you hear about what happened on the set of uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, where Miles Teller was squaring up to the director and all that kind of. Oh sh- fuck, Miles Teller! <laughs> yeah, I fucking said it. God, guy's a prick. Um, uh, this is from Cinema Blend, right? Who were reporting it from the rap? <laughs> oh, modern journalism. Hellboy reboot finally arrives in theatres tomorrow and thus far the early reception to it has not been stellar. It's received a lot of negative reviews from critics and ranks at the time of this writing at a measly 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, word has come in that Hellboy reportedly dealt with a lot of behind-the-scenes drama during the production process, namely between Neil Marshall and producers Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin. According to The Wrap, Neil Marshall had a series of disagreements with Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin that boiled over when the producers replaced Marshall's cinematographer. While he would not comment on the reasoning behind the firing, Levin's attorney responded that it was a group decision, but this is just one clash that supposedly occurred. David Harbour walking off set several times and refusing to deliver the extra takes Marshall wanted, the script being rewritten throughout production, one rewrite being handled by Harbour and Ian McShane, among others. Perhaps the most bizarre issue... Was a, degree, was a disagreement over a surreal tree that appears in the movie. Furthermore, after he handed in the cut, the producers allegedly took over and applied their own changes. So it's mad. Like, yeah. It just sounds like it was an absolute nightmare. Fucking hell. Yeah, okay. And But, but I mean, yeah. And there are bits of it that just don't work at all, I think. Like, I'm sorry, Mila Jovovich. Just, no. She just she reminded me of freaking, what's her name, from Suicide Squad? Carla Delevingne. Just like just this monotone, just blank, just saying like random fucking process spooky phrases. Spooky shit. And like that's what I quite liked about David Hobbs. Like, oh shut the fuck up about this fucking yeah. prophecy bullshit. And just like but then that's just all she did for like two hours. I was like, Oh god, it's so boring. And it did and it did seem like she was ADR'd all the way through it. Well. Oh yeah, that because that's it. That definitely wasn't her voice. No, it wasn't. I don't know what the... Yeah, it was like um, recording studio six months later. Yeah. Every, every line that she said. And there was a little bit of that going on with Daniel Day Kim, I think, as well. Daniel Day Kim's accent in this is appalling. Is he trying to be English? I think so. Why? He starts trying to be English, but by the end of it, he's just given up. Because at one point he says wanker. Yeah. That's but, always a dead giveaway. But the track, <laughs> the, the trick, if for, for any of our international listeners, if you're trying to fake an English accent and you use the word wanker... Remember, the R isn't pronounced. Wanker. And if yeah. somebody says wanker, <laughs> yeah. they're faking it. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll like, that that's mind. a guarantee. Like, yeah, yeah. anytime you watch anyone use the term wanker, they're not going to go, oh, he's a wanker, unless they're from the West Country. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, that's good. Well, that, in that case, that's, that's one word that you should never, ever attempt unless you're English. Yeah. And like and that and also because it's such an English word, mm. they try and throw it in there as a way of indicating that someone's English. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, but it doesn't work if you can't do the accent. So yeah, all right. Yeah, and it's like so it tends to be with like like when British people we're getting away from the point here, but this is because the film isn't good. Um, <laughs> but also like when British people try to do American accents and they say raw, yeah, and they'll be like, oh, it's a real raw deal. They say it like it's the noise raw. Raw, rather yeah, than yeah. raw and you're like that's dumb come on they're just a few words but also bollocks yeah just say bollocks yeah everyone knows how to say it it's my favorite word yeah and yeah it's said in this film why didn't daniel day kim just say bollocks because they gave that to the other girl oh yeah good point 
um, who I can only assume she was English, but I don't know. I don't know, but she was in the film. Yeah, she, she was. Spooky. She tried. Mouth. She did her best. Stuff. Yeah, um, there's a scene at the end where it's, like, she comes and goes. She does good things and bad things. Like, she's got an origin story yeah. that's tied in with something else that's in the film that's an origin again, story. Again, which is another fucking thing to tie in. Yeah. It's like another, she's got an origin story. That one of the, There's a villain who's the big pig bloke who, for some reason, is a scouser. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, obviously. And, um, and Daniel Day Kim. And so they all need to have their own origin stories as well. Yeah. Plus the villain. Plus you get a little bit of, you get, well, you get, Hellboy's origin essentially they they reshow again from the whole Scottish Island thing so they've got all that plus all the mythology and the monsters and all that and yeah it's just a mess it's just a fucking mess it is ah <laughs> oh, so shit we were both yeah we were looking forward to it weren't we but yeah and that's and then we became sort of progressively more and more worried as we were like we haven't heard anything about this mm. and then yeah it is really disappointing yeah and normally I'd be like go and see it but. I don't think you should. No. Well, I think that's the thing. I never expected at the beginning, at the end of this week, that I would be recommending that if you're going to go and see a comic book movie mm. this week, go see Shazam. Yeah, I never thought I'd say that. I could, I would never have predicted that a couple of weeks ago. No, I would have said no, there's no way. It's DC. It'll probably they looks like a, yeah, pain in the ass. Hellboy, the like R-rated Hellboy with David Harbour. Fuck yes. Yeah. Fuck yes, mate. And then yeah, here we are having seen both this week. And Shazam is by far superior. Yeah, just a better made film, a yeah. competently made film. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a good screenplay. It's got a good cast. Like, imagine if Shazam only Zachary Levi and Jimon Hansu were good in that film. Yeah, that would have been a shit show. Would have been the arse, Yeah, but at the same time, I think I do have a bit of a special place in my heart for both David Harbour and Ian McShane, so yeah. I'm a bit more forgiving. True, but just don't go and see it. No, nah, don't like don't it's waste the kind your of money. thing. But even watching it, it doesn't it doesn't even feel like a movie. Sometimes I feel like it's the kind of thing where if they, it was a direct to Netflix film, mm. it's that kind of thing. Yeah, I've watched it like it was a it's a Netflix original, like Bright or something. Yeah, like that, but with Hellboy. Yeah, and the thing even like Bright wasn't that bad. It was just and it it was fairly cohesive. It was just wasn't interesting. Yeah, make Netflix make a series a Hellboy series with this cast. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be wicked. <laughs> Can you imagine? Don't get any of the people involved in writing or producing it or directing it. No, just it take the cast, get Daniel Day Kim and David Harbour and, yep. and whoever, the, yeah, the team, and then get it on Netflix and it can be the, his new vehicle after they finish Stranger, St- Stranger Things. Things. Crack on. And, yeah. while, and while you're at it, make the Dread um, TV show with... with um, That's Car- happening, though. Yeah, but is it, though? Well, Mega City One is Mega City One. It's not really a Dread t- uh, TV show, is yeah. it? Yeah, but and one thing I would say is Dread is a fairly one-note character. Yeah, but that's, I like that note. <laughs> it's a good note, but it's. Um, I think it would be better suited to something like they're making with Mega City One, where there's like a couple of Dread episodes, and then yeah. there's like ABC Warriors episodes, yeah, and like Rogue Warrior episodes and stuff. Okay, I think that would suit the audience a bit better, mm. but. Um, Again, we're getting away from Hellboy because it's because rubbish. It's, it's kind of yeah, it's forgettable. Yeah, like, it's and just... it's not shit. It's just, it's just nonsense. Yeah, and it de- like the source material deserves so much better. Yeah, like I would say to you, if you can go and find Caesar Destruction and yeah. read it. Yeah, because you like the artwork in it, the way that it's written, it's just 
it's really jarring. I actually saw a um, there was an article the um, the other day which I um, skimmed through, and that Caesar's Destruction was on there. It was a list of these are some of the um, good Hellboy comics you should read instead of going and see the new movie. Okay, it cool. Was, for IO9 had yeah. that up. And on that basis, I have sort of those Caesar's Instructions on my list. Definitely. Yeah, but yeah, I think there isn't that much more to say. Like we both, you watched all the animated ones as well, didn't you? Yeah, and the animated ones are pretty cool. Um, again, but it just it sort of speaks to the things that could be done. So there's the, one of the animated ones is called um, Sword of Storms. Mm. Um, and that is all about is like Japanese culture and about like the bodies of two of the gods of thunder and lightning get embodied in a samurai sword. Oh, cool! And then chaos ensues from there. But yeah. it's all like Japanese folklore. That's a book as well. Yeah, but it's all yeah. So the thing that they're directed directly they're directly adapt directly adapted. Yeah, from <laughs> things that have come in the comic books. But it just sort of shows you what the potential is for this kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's all like spooky mythological stuff and you can do it in different cultures yeah. so they go off to Japan and then right that's got a whole folklore around it and you could do one in China and that's got a whole spooky folklore around it you could do whatever you want you can go all over the world and have this like globe trotting kind of you know paranormal investigation which doesn't exist in any other comic book thing no. really you've got the only closest thing we've got to is maybe Constantine and that's not really doing anything at the moment no um, and there are other things like within those comic books like you get like Justice League Dark and stuff yeah but no, which there's was no... going to happen and was attached to Guillermo del Toro at some yeah. point but there isn't really anything that has sort of a pressing no uh, that's what I don't understand is that there is a market for it massively and, like, and the, if you want to proof that there's a market for it there have been 15 series of Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. That is the like the, long, the longest running genre TV shows ever. Mm-hmm. And it's because people like that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so make it like people like that and the people like comic book stuff. Yeah. Like it's a no-brainer. Just make it good. <laughs> like it's it shouldn't be this difficult. But yeah, so there's that in Storm of Swords and then the other one is vampire based. It's yeah. Blood Nine. Okay. And you get a lot of backstory about Professor Broom. Oh, and cool. It's like split between the first time you fought the vampire and then 20 years later when he's got Hellboy and his team with him and fighting yeah. the same vampire. but And it's voiced by John Hurt and cool. Ron Perlman and yeah. Selma Blair. Brilliant. Really good. Um, so those are all, those are on um, Amazon, actually. So if you wanted to check them out. Yeah, just go and watch. I'll go watch, and watch the Watch originals. them and the originals rather than watch the new movie. Yeah, but and then, then when watch the new, this when it comes when out. When it comes out on release. Netflix, maybe give it a go. Yeah, as much as I do want to see a sequel, I, did, I wouldn't want any of our readers to waste their money I'd be really disappointed absolutely not we've done it for you we've taken the bullet <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah so yeah anyway more duds like this and we're going to have to set up a fucking Patreon but anyway right so that's our second episode of the week mm-hmm. we've got uh, something a bit more special coming up next week that's more grand rewatchy rather than just something new but yeah, I think it's, let's just wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, we're on on all the socials on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. The Omcast, search for the Omcast, and you'll find us. Um, it's not Omnicast, Omcast. Ransom. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Fuck's sake, dickhead. Honestly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, look out for us. And then yeah, next week we're going to start getting into some Marvel stuff. I think, yeah. aren't we? And so because now the next big release is Endgame. We're in the end game now. I'm not ready. Not ready whatsoever. It's going to be okay, man. It's going to be okay. I'm just not ready. Stop it, you fucking monster. I don't feel so good. Ah, oh, you're the worst. <laughs>